This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. And Matt Orbebe with the ball in the air. Makes the catch. Welcome to Oski Talk. I am Drew Pastoric. Remind me again, how many days is it until basketball season? It could be two days, and it'd be two days too many. Wow. All right, well, try to put a bow on Friday night's game against Nebraska as best I can. I think we can put the nail in the coffin. This season is, for all intents and purposes, dead. And... Many, 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 many changes need to be made. So we'll hash that out in a little while. I'll also take you through the past week in fighting Illini Athletics, give you a preview of some of the things you can see and read at thechampagneroom.com. I mentioned basketball kind of tongue-in-cheek a moment ago, but there was some basketball news, both on the scheduling end as well as the recruiting end. Gotta hit on that. A lot of scheduling stuff this week. Found out some some Big Ten football scheduling stuff as well, which is very encouraging news based on the results of Friday evening. But again, I will take a deeper dive momentarily. But first, Oski Talk is sponsored by Liddyville LLC. Liddyville is a clothing and accessories retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of product, creativity, and cultural understanding. Join the movement. Get your officially licensed Illini merchandise today at Liddyville.com. That's L-I-T-T-Y-V-I-L-L-E.com. Now, normally I'm very particular about ordering the show in kind of a linear fashion. So if we're discussing basketball, I'll do that first, then I'll move to football or any other sport. And I will do that for the remainder of the show, but I'd be remiss if I didn't lead things off by talking a little bit about Dick Butkus, the legendary Illini linebacker, Chicago Bears linebacker, perhaps the most beloved Illini player ever passing away Thursday at age 80. Maybe I shouldn't say perhaps. I think pretty strongly that Dick Butkus is the most beloved Illini player in history. And maybe the best Illini player in program history. I'll get to the legacy part in just a bit, but... Just to kind of rehash this, and we have a couple of tributes up at thischampagneroom.com. Dick Butkus, a Chicago native, played at Chicago Vocational High School. It was fitting that Isaiah Williams, Juice Williams, was an honorary captain on Friday night. He also a product of Chicago Vocational. So two of the most 
memorable Illini players of all time came from the same high school. That's that's very poetic to me. But Dick Butkus, you know, Chicago native, played at Illinois from 1962 to 1964. 374 tackles during his time at Illinois. He was the 1964 Player of the Year. I believe that was from the American Football Coaches Association. It was part of a Illini Rose Bowl team. Part of three Halls of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame, and the Illinois Athletics Hall of Fame. Dick Butkus, one of the inaugural members of the Illinois Athletics Hall of Fame, had the statue commemorating him that's in front of the Smith Center. And then, of course, after his days in Champaign, he played for the Chicago Bears for nine seasons, 1965 to 1973, and was a Hall of Famer, as I just mentioned, as well. Eight Pro Bowls in his nine-year career was a six-time first-team All-Pro. He was fearsome, hard-hitting, just an absolutely destructive force on the football field. And on the NFL's 100th anniversary team, he was voted as one of the top 10 players in the history of the league. Players young and old admired Dick Butkus, not just for the way he played, but for the way he carried himself off the field as well. Revered as a player, but also as a man. I think that goes a long, long way. You saw tributes pouring in throughout the Illini family, the Bears family, the NFL family, and Ples Honeywood penned a a great letter to Dick Butkus at the Champagne Room. He's got perspective as both a Chicagoan and an Illinois alum. Ples Honeywood wrote in his piece that if Illini took an idealized form, it would be Dick Butkus. He referred to Dick Butkus as sort of the avatar for the fighting Illini. You think Illinois football to this day you still think of Dick Butkus. And I don't think that's just because Illinois football has kind of been lousy for a long time. But it's because of his accolades on the field, what he was able to achieve in becoming one of the greatest football players of all time at any position. Dick Butkus was proud to be from Chicago. He chose Illinois because he was a Chicagoan, an Illinoisan, and he chose to play for the Bears. He was drafted in the AFL and the NFL, and Dick Butkus elected to play in the NFL with the Bears because of that connection to his hometown. So I strongly recommend you read Ples Honeywood's letter, a beautiful, poignant tribute to Dick Butkus at thechampagneroom.com. On a personal note, Dick Butkus was undoubtedly my dad's favorite player. You know, my dad just passed away in the spring, so this especially hits close to home for me as someone who's very passionate about the Illini. I inherited that passion from my dad, and of course I I wasn't old enough to see Dick Butkus play in the flesh. I remember him as that guy from Hang Time. <laughs> right? Or the, the guy from any given Sunday. But you know, certainly was made aware of Dick Butkus through 
anecdotes that my father told me of watching him play and as social media became more and more prevalent seeing highlights on youtube and twitter that might have been my favorite part of this and in light of his passing you got to see a lot of videos being shared highlights being shared of dick butkus and just watching how he played the game with just that reckless abandon. He revolutionized the middle linebacker position. He didn't invent the middle linebacker position. That was already a thing, but he redefined that role. He changed the way that position was played. And I think that's why he's got such a lasting impact you know, 50 years after his career ended as a player. You might remember him as a broadcaster or an actor as well, but you you got to remember that he is one of the all-time, all-time, all-time greats. And I got a kick out of listening to some of those old interviews with Dick Butkus. The one that stands out the most is when he uh, he did a press conference after the statue thing. And I'm paraphrasing, but you might have seen it. You probably have. They played it back during the Nebraska game, too. <laughs> he was kind of in awe of why they would build a statue of him, like why he's so revered, because he just did what he thought he was supposed to do. And that he loved knocking the shit out of people. <laughs> I think that's what he said. Uh, but yeah, he played the game back then the way you were supposed to play it. And certainly that's been legislated out of the game in some ways, but man, a, a fearsome player, a devastating player and certainly a devastating loss as well for the Illini community, the Chicago Bears community. Uh, but just as a, a football fan, someone that follows one or both of those teams or just an admirer of the history of the game, it was a, a sad day Thursday marking the passing of Dick Butkus at age 80. So again, we've got a couple of tributes up. Uh, take a look and Share your memories of the late, great Dick Butkus as well at thechampagneroom.com. I just realized it was very echoey, so I'm going to move to a little better spot here. I'm going to take a quick glimpse at the previous week in Fighting Illini Athletics. Let's start on the pitch. Illinois soccer falling to Minnesota 3-1 on Sunday. Illinois got it going early. Kennedy Burchell scored in the fourth minute for the orange and blue. But the Gophers answered with a pair of goals in the first half, or the uh, 16th and the 22nd minutes. Illinois tried to respond in the second half. Michaela Woods had a couple of near misses. Minnesota was able to ultimately put the match away in the 87th minute. So the Illini fall to 5-5-3 five, five, and three on the season, 1-3-2 and two in conference play. They'll have Wisconsin up next on Thursday. On the volleyball court, Illinois in a really tough stretch right now. They lost in straight sets to Purdue on Wednesday, 25-11, 25-19, and 25-16. They did a return home on Friday for the Stuff-Huff match, and... The Illini fans did just that. 3,093 fans. That's a season high. Unfortunately, it was not enough to 
fuel and upsets as the number one Badgers swept the Illini 25-22, 25-15, and 25-12. Badgers improving to 15-0 and and a perfect 6-0 in Big Ten action. Badgers with a 388 hitting percentage. Illinois had an 085 hitting percentage. Wisconsin had 46 kills to just 28 for Illinois. Raina Terry did lead the orange and blue with 15 kills and a service ace. She now has 139 for her career. That's eighth best in program history. But again, not enough as the Illini dropped to 7-9 this season, 2-4 in the Big Ten. It's been a rough go for Illinois so far, and it's not going to get any easier. Illini traveling to Columbus to take on Ohio State. That's Friday night, 6 p.m. Central Time on BTN+. Before we get into the larger football discussion, a reminder that Oski Talk is brought to you by Liddyville LLC. Join the movement at liddyville.com. You can purchase officially licensed Fighting Illini apparel and accessories. There's also a player slash alumni line in which all purchases support current Illinois athletes or alumni organizations and charities. Follow them on social media at Liddyville Gear and place an order today at liddyville.com. All right, so this is normally the time of the show where I give cheers and jeers. Been doing this all football season long, giving you some ups and downs. What's there to really celebrate about Friday night? Honestly. I mean, the Illini did a nice thing with painting the 50-yard line. They painted the 5-0, outlined it in orange in honor of the late, great Dick Butkus. But they certainly did not honor his memory with their play on the field. Just a disastrous showing again. A 20-7 to loss to Nebraska. Just a putrid performance, specifically on offense, for the Fighting Illini, who are now 2-4 and and 0-3 in the Big Ten. 0-2 in the Big Ten West. So they are DFL in the Big Ten West standings, a team that... Not just myself, but a lot of folks viewed as maybe a dark horse candidate to win the Big Ten West there in last with half a season to go. And doesn't really appear to get much better from here. Uh, So I will highlight the one play that's worth talking about from the Illini offense, and that's Pat Bryant's amazing catch. The only Illinois touchdown of the night. Luke Altmeyer throws it down the sideline. Pat Bryant grabs it with one arm, hauls it in. It was actually a Sports Center top 10 play on Friday night. And that was pretty much the only play worth getting into. The defense, the defense held their own. If you watch this game, Nebraska scored 14 points in literally 10 seconds. They got a touchdown to go up 10-0. Then Illinois does not field the kickoff. I'll repeat, does not field the kickoff. Nebraska recovers it. 
and Heinrich Harburg, Nebraska's quarterback, runs it in untouched from 25 yards away. And then, boom, 17-0. Good night, sweetheart. Uh, So, again, I'll give the defense credit. In a roundabout way, I was giving the defense credit because Nebraska did score 20 points. But, again, 14 of those points came in a 10-second period. Illinois forced three turnovers. The defense was performing at a level that can win you a game. They were extending their hand out to the offense saying, We've got you. Come on. Grab hold. And couldn't do it. So I want to showcase a couple of stories at thechampagneroom.com. I want to start with Kyle Tausk. And I'm not going to go through line by line what he said. But the headline is that Illinois is a disaster and there may not be an end in sights. <laughs> and that's pretty accurate. I don't think you can really debate that a whole hell of a lot so it starts with talking about illinois futility on fourth and goal opening drive of the game illinois goes 14 plays 74 yards and they get stuffed twice actually third and goal and fourth and goal so kyle leads off with that and says i'm paraphrasing that it's an encapsulation of the 2023 season so far (laughs) Uh, But he also says that was, quote, just one on a long list of embarrassing developments in a performance that felt like rock bottom, a place frequented by Illini fans for decades, end quote. And Kyle's a young guy, so he gets it. He understands the torment, the turmoil we've gone through as fans. (laughs) Oh, man. That pretty much sums it up. Barry Lunny and the Illini offense... We're completely broken. Every single positive play was a struggle. These other things that Kyle mentions in his piece. And he says it doesn't have to be this way. The momentum is utterly and completely gone. Illinois is right back to among the bottom feeders in the Big Ten. Illinois essentially at a crossroads right now. So read Kyle's article at thechampagneroom.com. While you're there... Give Brant Dolce's article a read as well. And his is also nihilistic. <laughs> what else can you be? Brant's article is that Illinois and B. Lamar out of answers and out of time. And yes, the buck stops with Brett B. Lamar. It's his ass ultimately as the head coach. But the staff has not been pulling their weight. The offensive line's been terrible most of the year. The offense specifically has been woefully bad. And Brant Dolce points out a lot of this is because of Barry Lunny. And trying to give Illinois the benefit of the doubt. And they might be turning a corner here. They look kind of good. In the Florida Atlantic game, they had 500 plus yards, but 23 points. Missed some chances to put the ball in the end zone. But, yeah, specifically the offense is incredibly upsetting and frustrating. Brant points out, Illinois had 21 rushing yards against Nebraska. 21 rushing yards. I think Kyle mentioned that as well. 
but Illinois has 1.1 yard per carry. 19 attempts, 21 yards on the night. Luke Altmeyer has eight interceptions on the season. Most of any FBS quarterback. But it's not a Luke Altmeyer issue. Luke Altmeyer's fine. I, I don't have any problem with Luke Altmeyer. This is a coaching problem. As Brant puts it, quote, it's insanity, deja vu, and karma in one compact, inept package, unquote. Illinois scored 23.6 points per game in the Big Ten last season. So far, three games in, Illinois averaging 13 points per game. 13, 19, and 7. Those are the outputs thus far by the Illinois offense. There's no Tommy DeVito at the helm. Certainly you miss Chase Brown. That's painfully obvious this year. But it goes back to some stuff we've been talking about throughout the season. And that's that uh, no one is ever open in this offense. Like, I don't understand how nobody can get separation. So it's either completely predictable or there's so much going on that the players can't get everything communicated clearly. Whatever it is, it falls on Barry Lunny Jr. No doubt about it. Brett Bielema has been at Illinois for two and a half seasons. Lunny's been in Champaign for one and a half now. I mentioned the offense earlier. 13 points per game in the Big Ten thus far. 23.6 per game in the Big Ten last season. And by the way, Tony Peterson got fired for having a better offense than this one. We'll get more to that. As Brant points out, this is not a new problem. Brett Bielema has been dealing with this ever since he arrived in Champaign. And there's no obvious solution, but I think the clearest solution is that Barry Loney has to go. Another one of Brant's quotes from this article is that the clock is at zero. Action is the only remedy. The status quo ain't good enough. Pure and simple. This is as bad as the Big Ten is going to be. And that's not hyperbole. Like, the Big Ten as we know it is bad specifically the the West Division. But now you're going to infuse Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and USC into this mix. Every one of those teams have high-powered offenses. UCLA averaging 30.6 points per game. This has been amended because UCLA and USC played this weekend. Oregon and Washington did not. UCLA is averaging 30.6 points per game. UCLA, 51.8 points per game. Oregon, 51.6 points per game. And Washington at 46 points per game. Illinois averaging 19.2. I don't care how good your defense is. You can miss me with this defense wins championships. It's bullshit. It's a lie. Because look at last year. Illinois had a generational, once-in-a-lifetime defense. Number one scoring defense in the nation. 
How many championships did Illinois win last year? Think about it for a second. I can wait. Zero. Zero championships is the answer. They won the hats. They beat Northwestern. They had this really cool moment last year where they beat Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa in the same season for the first time in like 40 years. They had achievements. No championships. Not even a division title to show for it. So skip this defense wins championships. You can have like a top third defense in the country and be fine. If you're somewhere like in the 40s or better, you have a shot to win the national title or even a conference title. But you ain't winning baloney if you're scoring 19 points a game. This isn't 1975 anymore. You've got to put points on the board. You've got to get into the friggin' end zone, and Illinois cannot do it. I tweeted this out during the game. Like My favorite part was that Illinois scored their touchdown by pushing the ball down the field, airing it out, and then proceeded to not throw a pass beyond the line of scrimmage for like 35 minutes of game time after that. No one's getting open. So is the reason they aren't throwing beyond the line of scrimmage because guys can't get open? Or can they not get open because you've got nine guys fighting for space in two yards worth of area? I don't know. The slants, the screens, the gadget plays, it ain't working. And Illinois has got talent on offense. They've got players that can catch the ball. They've got tight ends. They've got receivers. They have a running back. They have weapons. It's not like they're barren or bereft of talent. They're not. This is a coaching problem, and it's not something that you can fix without heads rolling. And Brett Bielema can do the bang on the table thing and say he's infuriated, and it's maddening and frustrating. It's on you, man. It's on you to make the necessary changes. So I want to go back to the Tony Peterson stuff. Illinois Football Focus tweeted this out after the game as well. The offense scored 19.7 points per game versus Power 5 opponents under Tony Peterson. And Illinois had a 40% winning percentage in those games. Tony Peterson got fired that first year. Fast forward, the Illinois offense is now scoring 18.6 points per game versus Power 5 opponents under Barry Lunny Jr. And now you travel to Maryland, who puts up 429 yards per game and 6.3 yards per play. Woo-wee! But we got what we wanted, right? The game's not going to be on Peacock anymore. It's going to be on good old NBC proper. So the whole country gets to watch it. And you're playing against probably the best quarterback you're going to face the rest of the season in Talia Tagovailoa. Have fun with that. Oh, by the way, Iowa also won on Saturday. They beat Purdue 20-14. to Deacon Hill, their backup quarterback, he's filling in for the injured Cade McNamara. Deacon Hill, who 
Looks like he weighs about 315. He was 6 for 21. 110 yards and a touchdown on Saturday. 6 of 21! And Iowa won the fucking game. I promise you, if Luke Altmeyer or Kurt Kittner or Jack Trudeau, Jeff Damn George, any of those quarterbacks go six for 21 for a buck 10, Illinois is losing that game by 30 points. And Iowa won. So as bad as their offense is, they find ways to get shit done. One way or the other, they find ways to get stuff done. There is no reason Illinois should be this bad. Iowa's 5-1. and one, And the one loss was a shutout to Penn State where they got 76 yards of total offense. It's just asinine. And it needs to end. Brent Bielema's job is safe. He's not going anywhere. At least not yet. You got another year, maybe two of this before you really make a change at the head spot. But there needs to be some upheaval and it's got to happen now. We can't wait four more weeks, five more weeks, six more weeks. Like it's got to end now. There's got to be a change. And it sounds like Brett Bielema is ready to do it, but you've got to. So sticking with football, we're moving on now to the scheduling announcement. The Big Ten, along with the Fighting Illini, did put out the future football schedules, all of the matchups from 2024 up until 2028 have been finalized. It makes me chuckle a little bit because back in July, the Big Ten had posted this new schedule and it was set in stone and finalized. And then like three weeks later, Oregon and Washington joined the Big Ten. So it might still be subject to change once again if more teams are added. But for 2024, we know for sure that this is how it's going to be. So the Big Ten put out a statement saying that the, quote, primary objectives that were considered included balance of annual travel by distance, regions, and time zones, and also maintaining control and flexibility as the postseason format evolves. So kind of in line with what I had just mentioned. Northwestern and Purdue are still the protected rivals. That did not change. So the Big Ten kept that intact. Still a nine-game conference format for the time being as well. Thought we might see a bump up to you know 10. We may still see that, but at least for now... The Big Ten will stay in that nine-game conference schedule. So I won't spend a lot of time on the future, 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 future matchups, but 2024, Illinois will have five road games in conference. Nebraska, Northwestern, Penn State, Rutgers, and Oregon. So we get the return of Illinutgers! Happy to renew that rivalry going back to Jersey to take on the Scarlet Knights and Illinois going to Autzen Stadium, one of the most raucous environments in the sport. That's going to be a fun game from a fan perspective. 
may not be from a results perspective. On the home side, Illinois will host Michigan, Michigan State's, Minnesota, and Purdue. So again, no divisions after this season. I think it's twice within a four-year period, every team home and away within a four-year period. I like that the Big Ten was cognizant of the time zones and the long road trips, so you'll have USC, UCLA, etc. You'll have them home or away. You're not going to go out to the West Coast twice in the same season. Now, Illinois is going to Penn State and Rutgers next season. Um, we're kind of used to that. You know, you're only playing one time zone ahead. And, mu- and much of the Big Ten is in the Eastern time zone anyway. Indiana, Michigan State, Ohio State. So that's not a huge, stark change. We've got the full list, all of the conference matchups beyond 2024. Uh, you can read those, uh, dive in a little deeper at thechampagneroom.com. But it bears repeating that the Big Ten and, and college football in general is doing so as well. But the Big Ten is undergoing a seismic shift, a tectonic shift. As Brant pointed out in his article I referenced before, this is literally right now the worst the Big Ten is ever going to be. So if you can't compete in this environment, it's going to be way harder in the new one. So just to circle back again to Brant's point, the Big Ten West the last two years has been atrocious. Illinois gagged on their opportunity last year. They fell short. If they won any of those three games that they lost to Michigan State, Michigan, or Purdue, if they won any of those three, they're at least getting a share of the conference, uh, the uh, division title. Illinois sitting with at least a banner in the Smith Center saying, hey, we were co-champions of the Big Ten West. That's better than nothing. It's better than what we're seeing now. And you're not likely to see that in the future unless things drastically change. So again, go to thechampagneroom.com, check out those conference matchups, the, quote, final, unquote, conference schedule for 2024 and beyond. Once again, Oski Talk is sponsored by Liddyville LLC. You can join the movement, purchase officially licensed Illinois merchandise at liddyville.com. They also have a player slash alumni line where all purchases will support current fighting alumni athletes or University of Illinois alumni organizations and charities. Follow them on social media at Liddyville Gear or place an order today at liddyville.com. Sticking with the scheduling topic, but shifting now to basketball, the men's basketball times and TV affiliations have been announced. We know this is a uh, a brave new world for basketball as well. We know the impact that the new TV deal, the media deal has had on football. It's going to affect basketball, I think, even more dramatically. We're going to see a little more of that as we head into this upcoming season. There are a couple of games of note as far as the unique start times, but I want to start with just the the network pairings. I'm not going to go through every single game on the schedule. I'm going to start with the 
the streaming options, the non-over-the-air options. So the exhibition game, October 20th versus Ottawa, that's going to be on Big Ten Plus. No big surprise there. Kind of expected that. It's a game not a lot of people are going to be tuning into unless you're just an absolute nut job. <laughs> I mean that in the best possible way, by the way. The season opener, the regular season opener versus EIU will also be on Big Ten Plus. Illinois' second regular season game versus Oakland will be on Big Ten Plus, as will the Illini's matchup with Valpo. So a trio of games on Big Ten Plus. EIU, Oakland, and Valpo. These are the games we've seen on these streaming platforms before. It's not really that surprising to me. I think the gripe that many fans have is that you're paying extra for a lesser product. And don't get it twisted. As a student broadcaster, I would have loved these opportunities. Our own Will Charlton from the Champagne Room, he does games for BTN+. Plus, So I would relish that opportunity if I was in that position. But to charge people extra money, I think there, there's a disconnect. I remember doing high school play-by-play for football and basketball when I was in high school. This was 2002, 2003. And my school had this little public access channel. But again, it was public access. It wasn't, hey, we're going <laughs> to... If you want to watch United Township High School football... Live from East Moline, Illinois, you're going to have to pay $12 a month for it. Like, that's... (laughs) Nobody would have done that except maybe my parents. And it's not BTN Plus, Big Ten Plus, whatever it's called. It's not that much. I think it's, you know, seven or eight bucks a month. But it goes back to the Peacock thing from before. If the only reason you're going to be watching this thing is because you're wanting to watch an Illinois game, it's probably not worth it to you. And I get it. I get the frustration there. Um, But it's three lower-level games, three of those, you know, quote-unquote cupcakes, those buy games that Illinois should win pretty handily. So those three games are on Big Ten Plus, and then as well as the uh, season opener, the exhibition game on the 20th of October. There are also three games on Peacock, We went through the whole Peacock deal with football a couple weeks ago against Purdue. Same concept applies here. January 30th at Ohio State. That's a streaming-only game on Peacock. Then February 13th at home against Michigan and March 5th at home against Purdue. So three Big Ten Plus games and three Peacock games. The wealth is being spread around here. I mean... There are many games on Big Ten Network, FS1, Fox, CBS, all get in on this. So I think overall, this was the purpose of it, was to expand the footprint, put more eyeballs on the product. I get all that. So if you want to watch every Illinois basketball game start to finish, you're going to have to have Peacock and a Big Ten Plus. It's just going to have to be that way. It is what it is, unless you have some kind of illicit stream. I know Reddit used to have those. They may or may not still. But if you're trying to do things legally above board, then you got to get Big Ten Plus and you got to get Peacock. 
Uh, so again, I'm not going to go through the entire schedule, and FightingIllini.com has this as well, but there are some interesting tip-off times I wanted to reference. We've got the December 2nd game, the conference opener at Rutgers. That's a Big Ten Network game, a 3 p.m. tip-off time. Then you go to the Jimmy V Classic. That's the one ESPN game Illinois will have. They own the Jimmy V Classic rights. So Illinois takes on Florida Atlantic December 5th. That's a 5.30 p.m. Central Time tip. So Illinois is getting the, the first game. For a weekday game, I'll take it. 5.30 is great. Then the game against Tennessee, the road game December 9th in Knoxville. That's a CBS national game and 11 a.m. Central Time tip. 12 noon if you are in the Great Smoky Mountains like I will be. So that's pretty cool. That's a that's a feature game. That's a spotlight game on CBS. We go to the Sunday, December 17th matchup with Colgate in Champaign. That's on BTN. That's a noon tip-off local time, noon central. Moving to the new year, 2024, Rutgers is here again. January 21st, that game in Champaign is on BTN at noon central. Illinois game versus Indiana. That's a Fox national game, 2 p.m. central time tip. And then Illinois at Michigan State, February 10th. That's a 1 p.m. tip-off on CBS. Wrapping up the month of February, you've got the Maryland game on Fox. That's a 4.30 p.m. Central tip. And then the second-to-last game of the season, March 2nd at Wisconsin. That is a noon start on BTN. So kind of all over the map there. Obviously, some of those games are going to be those 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock games. But some really unique start times. Illinois getting a lot of national attention. Those those noon games, those 2 o'clock games, a lot of those early games are what they use to highlight the full day's action. Sometimes you get buried in the middle there. Um, but I like it. It's going to take some getting used to. But a lot of these games we're used to watching are, you know, 8 p.m. on a Wednesday night. Game's not over till 10.30 p.m. or something. So a lot of flexibility, a lot of balance in that schedule. Again, FightingIllini.com has the full schedule, all the dates and times, the networks. You check it out. Again, FightingIllini.com. Can't come soon enough. <laughs> Continuing our basketball convo, it was a busy recruiting week for the Fighting Illini on the men's side. Let's start with the commitment. Jace Butler, combo guard out of California, class of 2024. He did announce his commitments on Wednesday. He was on IG Live with Travis Branham of 24-7 Sports. Made that decision on Wednesday. Had... Narrowed it down to Stanford. I think San Francisco was in that mix as well. So not a lot of high major offers for Jace Butler. He's a three-star player. Ranked number 189 overall per 24-7. 6'4", 180 pounds. 
So Illinois now has three verbals for the 2024 class. You've got Jaden Jackstis from Yorkville, three-star big, and then Morez Johnson from Chicago, the four-star top 40 recruit. He's in the fold as well. And now Jace Butler will join that duo. You can complain about stars if you want to. And that worked out pretty well for Illinois, didn't it? The answer is no. So I don't really give a shit about the stars. You want to stockpile as much talent as you can. If you get a five-star kid, great. But it doesn't mean much. And the three-star kids are more likely to stick around than the four- and five-star kids. They're used to being hungrier, used to being overlooked in some respects. They might have more of a passion and a desire than a five-star kid who might be coddled a little bit. I'm just saying, I'm not speaking for any particular recruit. I'm just saying you might see that. Illinois had plenty of three-star recruits over the years that have been pretty damn good. So let's cease fire, okay? Let's not just trash on this kid because he's a three-star. Why are we doing a hashtag boom for a three-star? It's played out. Like, who cares? You can't complain that recruits don't come in and then complain when a recruit comes in. You can't have it both ways. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Backcourt's going to be very different in 24. We know Terrence Shannon Jr. won't be there. The way the transfer portal works, half the guys on the team might not be there. <laughs> so any reinforcements you can get, you take them. And Brad Underwood and his staff seem to like him. They've unearthed some of these under-the-radar guys before. So I'll trust that evaluation for now. And hopefully he's ready to go and he's a, a key contributor in 24. But there was another recruit on campus this week. A little younger, class of 2025. That'd be Phoenix Gill. Phoenix Gill took an official visit to Champaign this week, too. Uh, He's from St. Ignatius in Chicago, alma mater of our very own Plez Honeywood. Oh, yeah, and he's the son of Kendall Gill. Kendall Gill, one of the most revered Illini of all time. I think he's seventh in career scoring at Illinois. Kendall Gillis said previously that he and his son refer to Illinois as we when they're talking about, you know, watching games. You know, we need a win. We need to make a shot, etc. This is one of the more important recruitments Brad Underwood is going to face. Phoenix Gill already has offers from Stanford. Iowa State, and Northwestern. I bet if Phoenix Gill commits to Illinois, people won't be saying, oh, well, what about his stars? Is he a three-star, four-star, five-star? No, he's Kendall Gill's friggin' kid. You gotta land that recruitment. You've gotta nail that down. That would be one of Brad Underwood's biggest recruiting whiffs if they can't get a commitment from Phoenix Gill. I'm just gonna say that. I don't think that's a hot take because we've had... Io DeSumo and other big name players, other high profile players that have committed. 
DeMonte Williams was a legacy commit. And he was a key piece for Illinois' resurgence. You can crack wise about him if you want to, but he was an important piece. Had toughness, dependability, played with passion. He wasn't as good as his dad. Who cares? That's not the point. The point is you cultivate those relationships. You try to keep those in-house. So, yes, it's 2025. It's still a year or so away from it really mattering. But Phoenix Gill looks awfully good in that orange and blue. I'm just going to say it. His dad, Kendall's a smart guy. They're not going to make some rash decision. That's a player you got to get. Phoenix Gill, you've got to pick him up. You've got to do what you need to do to reel him in and get him to champagne. So you can read more about Jace Butler and the recruitment of Phoenix Gill at thechampagneroom.com as well. Sticking with hoops, I said it was a busy time for basketball. We're approaching the start of the season. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it up on the men's side here. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr., he was unanimously voted preseason All-Big Ten. Was first-team All-Big Ten last season. Led the Illini in scoring 17.2 points per game. Also recorded 4.6 rebounds per game and 2.8 assists per game. Hard to forget that UCLA game last November out in Vegas. 29 points, 8 of 9 from 3. One of the greatest single-game performances in Illini history. Not the greatest, but one of the greatest. That was one of the greatest individual performances of the last five or six years in all of college basketball. That will live on forever. You're going to be seeing that game on BTN for, you know, Illini Classics. You're going to be seeing that for the next, you know, five, ten years for sure. So TSJ picking up where he left off last year, getting those unanimous All-Big Ten honors. I still think as he goes... So goes Illinois. Hawkins is going to be important, of course. We still don't know all the ins and outs of the point guard position, but Terrence Shannon Jr. came back for a reason, and he's an impact player, so got to get that done on the court for him. Got to see it. And now let's move to women's basketball. Shauna Green and the Illini set for season number two. Big Ten Media Day is getting underway on Monday in Minneapolis. Excited to see what Shauna Green has to say about her squad by the coaches. So Iowa is one, Ohio State two, Indiana three, Maryland four. Uh, the media has Michigan at five ahead of Illinois. But nonetheless, Illinois being picked in the top half of the league is incredible and i mentioned this on the show many times already we almost ran out of superlatives to describe what shauna green did year one in champagne just completely rebuilt this team now i don't want to get too carried away don't want to be too emboldened and say that they're going to make the tournament again and they're going to finish top five or six in the league but but that's where you want illinois to be they're not ready to win the Big Ten yet. They've got to climb over a lot of really talented teams, but the groundwork has been laid. The path has been laid. 12 months ago, if you'd have said, hey, 
prior to the 23-24 season, Illinois is going to be projected fifth or sixth in the Big Ten. You just said, whew, you're smoking some good shit. I want some of that. Now it's real. Shauna Green has brought a relevance to the women's program. Again, they had not been ranked since 2001, I think, 2000, 2001, and had not reached the tournament since 03 prior to last season. Obviously, Shauna Green played a large role in that success, but as did Makaira Cook. She returns to Champaign as well. Her second season at Illinois, she was named preseason All-Big Ten this week also. 18.3 points per game, 4.2 assists per game, 3.5 rebounds per game last year. She was everything for the Illini. And you had Genesis Bryant as well, played exceptionally well for much of the season. Kendall Bostic is back. There's a lot of returning players. So that's, I think, why the hope is so high. The optimism is high. Because you're not replacing 10 players and hoping to recapture some magic. You're trying to build on what this current core has already done. And Makaira Cook was the best player on the Illini last year. So to have her back in the fold for one more season at least, definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward. There were times last year, a lot of times last year, where we were more excited to see what the women were doing than the men. And you never would have said that until this past season. Schedule's getting tougher. They're going to go up and wait class a little bit in the non-conference. Love seeing that. That's what championship caliber teams ought to do. If you view your team as a championship contender, a conference title contender, you've got to play those teams. And maybe you win, maybe you don't, but it, it... it toughens you up. It prepares you for what's to come. So I'm I'm very excited about hoops. Not just because of what we've seen on the football field. That's a large part of it. But knowing that Brad Underwood has built Illinois into a tournament contender every year, consistently in the tournament, in the mix for conference championships, and now... Shauna Green doing the same thing at Illinois. Igniting a fan base that's been waiting for something good to happen for decades. Love seeing it, and I can't wait to watch more of it this year. Whew, all right, that's going to do it for Oski Talk. I think I filled as much blank space as I possibly could. A lot going on this week. So, I guess we're going to just watch the Maryland game and have one eye open. You know, like you're watching a scary movie, you've got your hands over your eyes and you spread out a couple of fingers to <laughs> to watch the screen. We might be having to do that with Maryland. I'm going to watch it because I'm a fan. I still root for my team, even though I don't think they're going to be very competitive in this game. Um, We'll just see what happens. Second half of football season coinciding with the start of basketball so that the crossover has begun. We're just about two weeks away from everything intertwining 
and things get really fun and exciting for us at the Champagne Room. A lot to cover, but a lot for you to see and and read and watch and consume. And it's going to be interesting, to say the least. So we'll recap Maryland next week. Look ahead to what else might be coming for Illinois. Please go to thechampagneroom.com, download prior episodes of Oski Talk. You can also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow the Champagne Room on social media as well. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all there, churning out tons of content for you each and every day. We appreciate you. Talk to you next week. I'm Drew Pastoric, ILL.